Shalom mishpocha. Shalom family. Mishpocha is a Hebrew word. It means family. <laughs> We're the mishpocha, the family with the Jewish heart, made up of Jewish and non-Jewish people, where the middle wall of separation between Jew and Gentile finally come down to form one new man, one new humanity, getting ready, mishpocha, to blow the grandest shofar, or the grandest trumpet in Zion. We want everyone, everywhere to hear the good news. We want everyone, everywhere to be red hot for the Messiah. Two of my favorite teachers, Lisa and John Bevere, uh, I have on the telephone right now, and uh, I have heard uh, Lisa's testimony in one day, went from a heathen <laughs> to saved, uh, a spirit-filled, and healed of an, an amazing healing. And that, John, that was your first date. Uh, where do you go from there? <laughs> you get married, Sid. That's the first date with John Bevere. That's right. uh, uh, real, real quick, John, tell me what happened to Lisa. Well, Lisa, when I laid eyes on her, I, I had not gone out with a girl for a year and a half. And I told God because I'd gotten saved in college, and I said, I'm not going out with another girl to bring my wife. But however, when I laid eyes on Lisa, I said within myself, that is the most beautiful girl I have ever laid eyes on in my entire life. And I prayed. I said, God, please let my wife look like that. So I started pursuing, and when I started pursuing, I realized she was an alcoholic. She was crazy wild. One guy said she was the wildest girl on campus. So I kind of immediately lost interest, but then she came up to me and said, I think my mom's in a cult, which her mom wasn't. And I brought her to a Bible study, and she ended up getting saved that night, filled with the Holy Spirit, and healed of that disease. And I was so in love with her, and the good news is she actually loved me, and I am one happy man being married to Lisa Bevere. And according to my notes, you've been married for 30 years. You have four sons and three grandchildren. Congratulations. But, you know, everyone uh, knows about John and Lisa Bevere. You're both best-selling authors. Uh, I mean, just I don't even know the number of books. I think I uh, maybe you've lost number that that are in print from both of you. Uh, and when I heard how rough you two had it in your marriage in the early years, I, I have to tell you, I believe that this is going to give so much hope to people that are like uh, Hollywood types. They go to church, they act like they're happily married, uh, but their life is coming apart at the seams. And, uh, uh, but tell me, really, in your heart of hearts, Lisa, why did you two publicly expose uh, the the history of all the problems you two had. Well, I found that so many people said they feel isolated, they feel accused, they think nobody else is wrestling with anything. They think we are the only two people that have ever talked bad, wrestled. With, I mean, seriously, we look like WWF wrestling the first four years of our marriage before we had children and <laughs> realized we needed to stop it. It was ridiculous. And but but we we just found that if people actually find out when you're honest that there's hope, and so we've been married 33 years. First four years were ridiculously uh, strifeful, wrestling, arguing, locking people out of the house, throwing plates. I mean that kind of stuff. 
And then year four through eight, we had to kind of live in the aftermath of that. And then in year eight on, we started to rise and build. And we really do not think that people should have to learn the hard way what we already learned the hard way. And most of the marriage stuff that we read, they were pretty amazing, healthy, normal people. And and John is that, but I was not that. So no, my family no, was no. dysfunctional before it was popular. <laughs> well, since I, but, but wait a second, John. Since I know both of your past, uh, uh, yeah. uh, both of you Mine were as messed colorful. up as I was and most of the people we're talking to. I mean, give me a break. Yeah. But actually, uh, I was I was as messed up as Lisa because I came from a Jewish yeah. background. Uh, Lisa, you came from a heathen background, uh, but mine yes. could have been called that anyway. Uh, and I, I had, I didn't have the Bible or anything. Uh, just for those that, that uh, for, for those that are watching right now, for them to understand, uh, give me a quick snapshot of your background, Lisa. Well, my, my grandmother is married four times. My parents were married, divorced, remarried, divorced again. My father was an alcoholic. Um, we, we had a lot of money, a lot of adultery, a lot of divorce, and, and it was just crazy. And so at 21 years of age, I had compromised every fiber of any kind of morality, any kind of virtue in my life. And I just remember thinking, there has got to be something more. I am empty. I feel I'm surrounded at parties, but I feel so empty and I feel so alone and and I was really crying out for God because, you know, we'd had the country club life. My parents had everything, but none of it, it was just empty. And so that was where I was at when I met John. And, you know, I, I wanted to hear about Jesus. I had never heard about Jesus. And so basically when he started to tell me about the gospel, I was like, I, I want to do this right now. But then I spent all of that night looking for the book of Paul because he had said, <laughs> Paul said Paul. this. And Paul said, I, I had, yeah, I had no... Christian frame of reference. This is how bad I was. My mother had become a Christian when I was a teenager, but she didn't even try to witness to me because I was just so bad that she came into the room one day and she said to my dad and I, she said, I'm putting a book on this bookshelf. And she said, it explains the rapture. Uh, Joey and I will be going. You two will not be going. When we disappear, you need to read this book. And I was like, <laughs> what in the world is she talking about? And so I pulled the book down when she was in the room, and it's all the book of Revelation. And I was like, God's going to blow up the world. But I had absolutely no Christian frame of reference. And so, you know, started drinking when I was 14, um, trying out for the sexual gymnastics team at the University of Arizona, thinking all that wildness was right and good and oh, okay. healthy as John, long as you were responsible. Well, we got a good picture of Lisa. Tell me, give me a picture, <laughs> snapshot of where, what baggage you were bringing into the marriage. <laughs> Oh, I brought a ton of baggage. I mean, there is one good thing that came in from my side, and that was the fact that my parents were married. They were very happily married. I mean, my dad just passed away two two years or two months ago, and they were married 66 years. But what I brought into the marriage was I had an addiction to pornography, I had a temper problem, and I ha I was a control freak. And so, you know, you 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 put that together with what Lisa brought in, and what Lisa didn't mention was that. Her dad left her right around the time we got married and ran away and lived with a woman the rest of his life, and they two drank alcohol together. And, and, and so you put that together, and that is the absolute perfect storm. And the problem was that when we used to sit as a young couple in the services, 
we found that we felt like we were utter failures. And I'm going back to what we mentioned earlier. And so we couldn't relate to the messages. We just thought we're absolutely a failure. And the reason that we're doing this right now is because we want people to know that you can have a really bad situation and God can heal it. And I think that's what Lisa and I are so passionate about, and that's why we've stepped out to do this. But, yeah, there there was a perfect storm, and there was a lot of fighting. Lisa, tell me uh, one of the worst incidents that occurred in your marriage uh, when all this, when these two personalities—I mean, you both are pretty strong personalities. If you didn't have all the baggage, you would have had problems. Uh, Lisa, tell me, tell me one, one thing. Um, you know, there was there was a time period where John and I kind of reached an impasse. We were in an argument, and Sid, I was so upset that I took off my engagement ring, and I said to him, "You know what? We're married, but we're not engaged." And for 18 months, I pulled, I know it's ridiculous, but for 18 months, I just kept pulling away from John. And, and he was really frustrated with me. I was really frustrated. We kept bringing up the argument, bring our kids were like, please don't do this. And then I remember I was alone with God praying. And I think John was in Sweden. And I was like, God, I, I just can't keep living like this. I just feel so hopeless. I feel like I have nowhere to go. I have no one I can talk to. You know, I can't, I don't want to dishonor my husband, but I mean, he's, I, I'm really hurting here and I, he's not nice. And, and I remember Jesus saying to me, tell me I'm enough for you. And I said, wait, I don't want to tell you you're enough for me, because if I tell you you're enough for me, then, then you're going to say, John's not going to change. I, I, I want him to change. And he said, I need you to tell me that you're, I'm enough for you, Lisa. And so I began to pray and I just started saying at first, it didn't make any sense. I was like, Jesus, you're enough for me. You're enough for me. And then it spilled over to you're more than enough for me. And, and you know, I, I just believe that Jesus came to make good marriages better and broken marriages whole. I don't think there's anybody that doesn't have a need in their marriage, and there'll be different seasons. But that was probably my most painful season. John was traveling a lot. It was over a decade ago, and I just felt so alone, so isolated, so unsupported, and, and I was— I was completely frustrating him. Now, John, because I know you've shared this publicly, and I have to say that I have to commend you for being having the courage and being so transparent with such a large, well-respected ministry, uh, but you literally put your hands to your wife. Tell me about that. Yeah, I hated sharing it, but I realized I had to. Um, it happened the first uh, four years of our marriage. And uh, one one time I got so frustrated, I hit Lisa, and I remember it happened one or two times, and I remember the final time when it happened, I was horrified with my behavior. And I, I, Lisa, you know, Lisa's healthy. And so Lisa was like, you know what, you need to leave the house, and you need to get this thing straightened out, and you're not coming back until it's straightened out. And so... That coupled with how horribly I felt, I left, and I remember it, it, it became very, very strong in me how wrong that was. I mean, the realization that God would make a man's body stronger, because that's what Peter said when he says the wife's a weaker vessel. It's nothing about her spirituality, nothing about her position in Christ. It's all about her physical body. And that God made the man's body stronger to be able to protect the woman, not use his strength to control the woman. 
I realized how absolutely hideous in the eyes of God it was. And when I realized how hideous it was, it's never happened since. So it's been almost 30 years that it hasn't happened. Actually, it's been probably right around 30 years. But I, I didn't want to bring that up because I do realize that there's people out there that they have the attitude that if any man has ever touched a woman, I'll never listen to a thing he said. But then I also realized that being open and transparent might help a lot of guys stop being physically abusive with their wives or abusive in any way to their wives. And so I brought that up, and I, I do, I do want to say that if there's any guy listening to me right now and you have, out of frustration, and I don't care how angry your wife made you, how much she provoked you, you have absolutely no business ever putting your hand on your wife to create any kind of hurt, pain, or affliction to her. You are not to do that. You are to walk out, turn around, and walk out the other way and deal with that thing before you look at her in the eyes again. Uh, I, I have to ask you. I have to ask uh, you this question, though, uh, John. You had a pretty decent knowledge of the Bible. Lisa starting with ground level zero. Uh, I can tell you in my case, uh, my wife and I were married when we were both heathen. Uh, and when I became a believer, I traveled the earth talking about my testimony, having not even read the New Testament. And it's an absolute miracle that Joy and I have celebrated our 51st wedding anniversary. God gets wow. all the credit for that. But wow. how in the world did you guys know what to do with such a mess? You were set up to have a divorce. Yeah. We, we certainly were. And um, I really wasn't that. I mean, I had been a, I was a Christian two and a half years before Lisa. So I got saved in my college fraternity. And so I just immersed myself in the word. So I was a guy with a lot of knowledge, but I didn't have the character to catch up to the knowledge I have or the wisdom that I have. And so, you know, naturally, you're just like, wait a minute, this is so foreign to me and that I just came out swinging because I am such a strong, strong personality. Well, that, again, was the perfect storm, you know, realizing that, that what I was doing was wrong, but yet I saw what Lisa was doing to me as much more wrong. Now, that is totally incorrect. It's called justification. It totally you, were, you were justifying and, yourself. <laughs> I was justifying my treatment yeah. of her by you the say, way you she make, You made me. me so mad I had to hit you. Yeah. <laughs> right. So, and, 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 but it needs to be said because you'd be amazed at how many guys think that way out there. And I want to tell you guys, that's so wrong. It's so warped, perverted, and you can't do that. Somebody, somebody yeah. in that relationship has to be able to say, I got to back this thing down and I got to turn and walk away because that, that, that's all it will escalate to if you have two strong-willed personalities, you know? And, and I've noticed that in our years of marriage, what I've noticed is I can keep pushing and pushing and pushing, but the better thing to do is to just walk away, give the Holy Spirit a few minutes. And allow Lisa to hear the Holy Spirit, then come back and talk about it later in an uncharged atmosphere. And so what we started doing is we implemented a situation where we said, hey, if one of us said, hey, we're done, we're not talking, and we walked out of the room, the other one had to respect it, not follow the other one out the room, which is something I used to do. And that's because of a very, very strong personality. So, yeah, you're talking about two people with two very, very 
volatile personalities, but yet two people who really loved God and loved each other, but just didn't know how to do it right. And the, the message that I want to make sure that I convey is I don't care how bad your situation is in your marriage, it can be healed. Wait, 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 John. You you have to understand, there are people watching us right now, and they're talking back, back to you, and they're saying, but John, you don't know how bad my situation is. What are you going to say And to that's them? exactly what I used to say. So you took the words out of my mouth. I said it long before you just said it, and I said it over and over. I told friends, I think that our marriage is hopeless. I have no hope. But yet God was able to turn it around. And he will do it. The well, thing wait, that wait, I wait, didn't what about realize, John? What wait, about the person? Let me finish that, this. Let me right. finish this. But let me say this. Let, and I want you to keep your question. But I want to say this. The thing that kept me from getting to become a better husband for Lisa was I kept feeling that her the problem was hers. When in reality, it was blinding me to the problem was mine. Go ahead. What were you going to say? Okay. What about the person that's been married for thirty years, chronic problems? And they're almost living separate lives, but everyone thinks they're happily married. Is there hope for a couple that are both Christians? Is there hope for a couple think, like that? I think that couple needs to absolutely. ask themselves a question. If, if they can, and, and the answer is absolutely. But they have to ask themselves a question. Right now, their effectiveness in life, fruitfulness, ministry, everything is hampered. Because when there is friction between a husband and a wife, their ability to be fruitful in this life is hampered. <clears throat> and I'm talking about the real fruitfulness, the kind of fruitfulness that endures. And so they have to ask themselves, do I want to be right or do I want to be fruitful? Do I want to be right or do I want to have peace? And God has called us to peace. God has called us to be fruitful. That is what God wants. So the thing that we've got to choose is, okay, how do we start building? And I know that with Lisa, Lisa said it was, you know, God saying, I'm enough for you. But with me, I was so angry at Lisa that I went out and I just said, God, I, I just, I see no hope. I see never ability to reconcile. We are just so angry at each other. And the Lord, I'll never forget this. He said, I want you to tell, I want you to name one thing that you're thankful for for Lisa. And I remember thinking, okay, she, she's a good mom. And then all of a sudden what came up in my spirit was, and she's a good cook. And then what came up in my spirit was, and, and she's, she's really tenderhearted. And then, and then it just kept, all of a sudden, it's like a dam broke open on the inside of me. And I started going, oh, my gosh, and she's this, and I thank you that she's that, and I thank you that this. And I thought, you are such a jerk. And I remember going back and looking at her and saying, I have been so blinded. I've been so wrong. And so, yeah, you may think there's absolutely no hope that all the problems with your spouse, but I'm going to tell you something. When you allow God to open up your eyes, because if God loved us, we were hideous, hideous sinners and still his enemies. That means there is a love of God in you if you call Jesus Christ your Lord, that you can love somebody who's very unlovely. And if, you're, if you love somebody that's totally unlovely, just like the love of Jesus won you over when you were an enemy and hideous, the love of Jesus can win that spouse over. I'll tell you what. Uh, wait, 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 wait a second, Lisa. We have to go to a break yeah, in sure. just a moment. But I am going to tell you something. 
their new interactive book, The Story of Marriage, and it really is a workbook, it's a devotional, and it's teaching, and then the six sessions uh, on CD and DVD. I don't, if you have a good marriage, I'm going to tell you something, it's going to make it better. If you have an average marriage, it's going to make it what God wanted it in the first place. And if you have a marriage that is just existing, you you are going to have a transformation. Uh, you know, I personally have read a lot of books on marriage, heard a lot of teaching on marriage, but I believe God uniquely put these two together. And one of the most important things they have ever done in their life is this interactive book and DVD CD series. If you're not married, you need this. I, I don't see why anyone in their right mind would ever get married without listening to this course. And if you are married, whatever stage you're at, it's going to get better. I am amazed at the wisdom John and Lisa from their life experiences and the teaching from the Bible. They're both world-class teachers. So I want to send you the interactive book, The Story of Marriage, the six sessions on DVD and CD. Uh, it normally sells for $125, but we're going to make it available for an investment. And again, I use the word investment intentionally because any profits we make, any extra that you put in on this will be poured into Jewish ministry. Yes, this is the set time to favor Zion. So for an investment of $79, we're going to rush it to you. And we, we come back, I have an idea. John and Lisa have something more to tell you. Call our order-only line, 1-800-447-2697. One eight hundred four four seven two six nine seven. Hello, Sid Roth here with something more. John and Lisa Bevere, and they have decided they want to be transparent with their life because they recognize their life is a seed that is going to take the worst marriage and make it what God created it to be. Uh, as a matter of fact, Lisa, when uh, just before we went to the commercial break, you started to tell me something. Would you pick up right there? Yeah, well, and first, I just want to say I so appreciate my husband's willingness to be open and transparent. The, the first four years of our marriage, there was physical abuse, that there was anger. And, you know, um, so I did, I had read Dr. Dobson's book, Love Must Be Tough, and I thought, you know what, I'm going to bring this to a crisis. I made John leave for the weekend. I spent time alone, and I remember thinking, you know, I had made a vow, and this was like an inner vow. I had said to myself, the first time a man ever hits me, I'm leaving him. And so now I had come face-to-face -face with something I had made a vow about, and, and had to really, you know, press into God. And I said, you know, wait, God, what do I do with this? You see what he's done. I want to leave him. He has abused me. And, and God beginning to talk to me only about me. And I was like, wait a minute. What are you saying to John? He's the one that's been hitting me. What are you saying to John? And he just kept saying to me, you need to forgive him. And I said, well, I'll forgive him when I can see that he is going to stop this. 
I'll forgive him when he brings forth some fruit worthy of repentance. Then I'll forgive him when I have some kind of hope that this is not going to be another weekend like all the other weekends, then I'll forgive him. And the Holy Spirit said to me, he cannot change unless you forgive him. And then he began to talk to me about when I come to him and I ask for forgiveness. If I said, God, forgive me, I gossiped again. He doesn't say to me, you know what, you're just going to do it again next week. Just come back when you're really sorry, Lisa. He always says to me, I believe you want to change and I forgive you. And God told me, he said, when your husband comes home from this weekend away, rather than bringing up, you did this, 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 and this, but I forgive you. He said, you can only say, John, I believe you want to change and I forgive you. And from that time forward, it was never a problem again, but it had created a fear in me. And then John felt like a failure and the guilt and the shame and the condemnation he was feeling just escalated it. And, you know, there are some women, I mean, I'm I'm never seeing a woman that gets hit isn't a victim, but I didn't cower in a corner. I hit him back. So we were just ridiculous. Uh, You grabbed um, grabbed a lamp. (laughs) I grabbed a lamp and went after him. Absolutely. I did not not take it laying down. Oh, okay, man, John, John, how did that, John, John, how did that affect you when Lisa came with a Jesus type of attitude when you came back? You know, um, I was I was so humbled by it and so in awe of it that it made me want to change. And I mean, I, I was like, oh, my gosh, she's just. She's she's not berating me. Uh, that's the thing. We would berate each other. So I would just hone in on what she was doing wrong. She would hone in on what I was doing wrong. And it was so freeing to me. And it gave me a motivation even more so, which I had already gotten when I went away and prayed that weekend, but a motivation to say, gosh, I got to be her prince. I got to be her champion. And, you know, I mean, I, deep down in every single person, I mean, you wouldn't have married that person probably 99.9% of the time if, guy, if the man didn't want to be the champion for his wife. That's the desire of every guy. And when Lisa started treating me with such tenderness and forgiveness, I was like, made me want to be her champion even more. Does that make sense? And, and so if that's what the man is looking for, uh, Lisa, what is the woman looking for? Well, I think every woman wants to know that she's irreplaceable. And I think everything in our culture said, says to this woman, you're never going to be good enough. You're never going to be thin enough. You're never going to be tall enough. You're never going to be young enough. You're never going to be beautiful enough. There's always going to be a competitor out there that can displace you at any given moment. And I think that's why so many women feel so insecure in their marriage. And so one of the best things that John did for me was he built me up. Like, okay, so when we were first, you know, first dating, all I had was a suntan and a six-pack, not a beer, but I actually used to be buff and muscular. So John would say things like, I bet she's going to be an amazing mother. I bet she's going to be great with money. I bet she'll be a great cook. And I was an idiot. I I didn't know how to do any of those things. (laughs) But because he believed that about me, I wanted to grow into all of that for him. And everybody grows in the in the really the example of the way they're loved. And so nobody grows through criticism. People grow through nurture. And so John knew how to nurture 
certain things in my life that caused me to rise up. And I think too many um, couples, they're experts in one another's weaknesses rather than experts in one another's strengths. I personally felt like or, if or I could humble and, John, or, or pardon, or has the vision to be able to see where that person can go. You know, when you say experts right. and strengths, and that means that means you may not see that strength right now, but you you look for the potential in that person to grow into that. Ahead, is that what the scripture means, where it says, "Without a vision, the people or the marriages perish"? Absolutely, I really, I totally or believe that. And, and again. Yeah, I mean, like, I think that I had a vision at the beginning of my marriage and then misappropriated how I handled it because uh, when I first got married to John, Sid, about three months into my marriage, I had a vision and it was a vision of a perfect man. And I thought that my <laughs> calling and gifting on life was to change John from the man he was into the man of my vision. But I didn't know how to do that. I, didn't I, know I thought my wife my was the life. only one that had that as a vision. No, no. No, I had I had, I had that vision. And, and at first I was gentle, and then I got really forceful. And then John had the vision of a sweet, supportive, submissive wife, and we began to fight like you cannot believe. But but we had to learn that we're actually intimate allies. We're not enemies. And, we're you know, the, the, the truth is the fall originated the battle of the sexes. Men and women are not enemies. We're allies. And men and women can build each other better than anybody else if we get it right. Now, I, I, I you know, have to there's ask nobody, you. Know, you know, Sid, there's nobody, there's nobody that I want to hear that I've pleased. Okay, let's, let, let's not talking about Jesus or God the Father or the Holy Spirit. I'm talking about there is no human being. I can have thousands of people on the road tell me, John, that message was amazing. John, that book really touched my life. But that, that's not what I'm what, – what really builds me. What really builds me is when Lisa Bevere says, John, that message was so powerful, or that book so touched me, or John, you were so kind to that man. I just want to go be kind to everybody when Lisa says that. And I think when, 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 when our, our spouses can build us up quicker than anybody on the planet, and they can tear us down quicker than anybody on the planet – we realize that we then start speaking into what we believe our spouse will become instead of nagging them into what they'll become why is why is there such an attack on marriage to the point that young people don't even want to get married anymore uh, and, and it looks like the institution of marriage is being destroyed in in every strata of society why Lisa? Okay. Well, first and foremost, I think this has been a long-term thing. I mean, Jesus is talking to his disciples, and when, you know, they've, they've had this confrontation with the Pharisees, and the Pharisees are trying to find the legal outs for getting, you know, divorced, and then Jesus is talking to his disciples in private, and he says, hey, you know, listen, you know, I'm going to hold you liable to the original plan, and they're like, wait a minute, wait. That means we're stuck. And so I think there's been a problem about people feeling like they're stuck and they don't really understand the purpose of marriage. And we haven't done it well. I mean, there's a lot of marriages right now where people are just not loving one another well. And so they're either the, the man is strong and the woman is oppressed or the woman is strong and the man is oppressed. And, and there's young couples coming up right now that are highly educated have purpose on their life, and they're saying, 
we do not want to do marriage the way you're doing it. It's too small. It's too limiting. It's too oppressive. We want to do it together. And because they're not seeing people do it well together, they're just saying, then we're just not going to get married. I want to be independent. We have some young girls. We have, we have, we have such a collection of amazing young women that work for us. And one of them in particular, so independent, so gifted, so talented. She said, I am never getting married. I'm not going to have some man squash my life. I'm not going to have him shut down my dreams. I'm not going to have him do that. And then when John and I did this taping, she sat in there and she was crying the whole time. And she said, I'm now going to get married because she found out that marriages are not a power struggle where one person wins and the other one loses. Marriages are a power union where both people become more of who they were created to be in God than less than. Uh, and John, so we haven't John, done this I, well. I, I want you to pick up on that point. Uh, how was the fact that Lisa was married to you, given her mm -hmm. this worldwide platform that only the husband could have been the catalyst? Well, let, let, let me let, let me make sure I understand how how say it to me one more time, Sid. I want to make sure I got what you said because there's there's an answer coming up, but I don't okay. know if it's long. Le Lisa had no desire to speak in front of the public. Lisa had no desire to be a best-selling author. The fact that she okay. was married to you allowed her to be the woman that God called her to be. That's why the devil tried to destroy your marriage so 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 hard. Oh, let, let me let me say this before I answer that because I thought that's what you were asking. You would never have read Beta Satan or any other book by John Bevere had it not been for Lisa Bevere. Hmm. In every sense, the way she encouraged me, the way she looked at me, gave me a prophetic word, said, "If you don't write, God will give it to somebody else and judge you." The way she edited <laughs> my books and made it readable when I couldn't write. I mean, and from the way she encouraged, encouraged me, there, and, and I wouldn't be the man I am today had it not been for Lisa Bevere. So having said that, now I'll say this. When I saw Lisa, we were I was a youth pastor. I saw so much wisdom in her. I just, I knew she got out of public speaking in high school because she lost a night of cancer tragically when she was five years old with cancer. But I thought, and, and she had every right to say, there is no way I'm speaking, but I wouldn't let her do it. And I realized that I might get some kickback, which I did, but I just said, Lisa's going to speak to you next week. And I heard about it the next week. And then we get on the road and I'd say it. I remember after Beta Satan became a best-selling book, I secretly went to the publisher and I said to him, do not tell my wife I talked to you. I want you to approach her and say, you want to do a book by her. She will never do it if she knows I'm behind this. And so he came over to the house and asked her to do a book. And because I saw such wisdom, abilities in Lisa that God had placed in her, I just saw the gift of God. And I just thought, you know what? She just wanted to be my wife, and she wanted to raise kids, and she wanted to have a family, and she didn't want to speak, and she didn't want to—she she didn't even like women back then. Now she loves them, but I just saw that in her. I saw her ability with women in her when she was a makeup artist, how she would transform women's lives, and I just started propelling her out in a very, very, uh, uh, what do I want to say, in, in, in a very subtle way. But, I mean, hey, let's I face it. it. Terrifying. The call was there. Was... Terrifying? Go ahead, babe. What do you mean I by terrifying? Terrifying. <laughs> 
Well, because he would never give me any warning. He's saying subtle. He would never give me any warnings. We would have traveled with all of our kids in a car. I would be pregnant. And then he would be like, hey, uh, come in from the service and say, hey, I told the pastor you'll do a women's meeting tomorrow morning. I was like, what? (laughs) No, I'm not doing a women's meeting tomorrow morning. I don't even have a message. Are you kidding? No, I I mean, he's making it sound way more gentle than it was. It was terrifying, terrifying to me. I'd be up all night panicking, like on the verge of throwing up, just in terror. And, and, and John would just kept saying to me, said, he kept saying, you are not your own. You were bought with a price. There are women out there hurting. You do not have the right to be comfortable when so many people are uncomfortable. And I would get mad. I'd be like, I am not a congregation. I am your one-eyed wife. You need to be nice to me. You need to understand that this is scary for me. And he'd be like, I don't, I don't believe it. You just need to do it. And, um, you know, I did it afraid. I did it afraid. And then I would see that when John had well positioned me, then the blessing of God was on there. And there are a lot of young girls whose husband, you know, they, they don't know how to position them. They don't know how to make room for them. And then there's other ones that are very ambitious and, and their husbands have asked them not to do it and they're, they're doing it. So I was really blessed to have a husband that saw what I didn't see on myself and positioned me to do it. But it was scary. I'm just going to say it was terrifying. Okay, John, tell me God's view of marriage, God's purpose of marriage. God's purpose for marriage is absolutely amazing. He says in Malachi that he seeks godly offspring. I do believe he's talking about physical children, but I also believe there is another application of that, that nobody gets closer to you than your spouse. And so naturally what's going to happen is that spouse is going to reveal the impurities in your life and almost be like a refining agent that God uses to make you into an offspring who's like Christ. So in other words, when he saw marriages, he saw the purpose of it is to refine so then that when we were one, we can be far more productive, I believe 10 times or more, than if we were by ourselves. So in other words, I could have had a ministry without Lisa. I could have affected people's lives, but I believe it would have been 10 times or more less effective had I not been married to Lisa and sought and fought through the adversity to be one with her. The other thing is... Excuse me, I have to interrupt you, John, and I have to say, ditto for me. The same is true. I could have had a ministry without my wife, Joyce but it would never have been what it is today. Go ahead. No, and then the other thing is that there were dark, dark areas in my life that I didn't even know were there, Sid, until adversity hit. So in other words, when I was a young man, I was very sheltered and protected by my mom who loved me. I was with my son, my son, my son. Well, then I get married, and I'm not my son, my son, my son. I am now having to live a real life with somebody who also has dreams, visions, and passions, And all of a sudden, I realized, oh, my gosh, there's some real ugly control problems, anger problems, you know, meanness that I didn't even know was there. And I remember one day I said, God, where is this coming from? I mean, I was never this way at home with my mom and dad. (laughs) And God said to me, he said, son, when you look at gold, it's 14 karat gold that looks pure. But when you put it in a furnace of 7,000 degrees, what happens? I said, the impurities come to the surface. He said, they appear, right? And I said, yeah. 
And he said, so they were in there, but you couldn't see them. I said, yeah. He said, John, where is all this stuff coming from? It's always been in you. He said, what's happened is the furnace has exposed what was in you. Now you can blame your wife. And he said, it'll go right back down in you, or you can cry out to me. And I'll take it out. I'll, I'll tell and you I, what. I'll hold, hold that thought. We're running out of time right now. Uh, but uh, when we come back, I want to find out such things as uh, what is the difference between what Hollywood portrays as marriage and what God says marriage is supposed to be? Uh, there's so much I want to find out. You, you absolutely need this brand new interactive book, The Story of Marriage. Uh, it contains the workbook the devotional, uh, a, a Bible study could do it, a church could do it, an individual could do it, but the, my message to you is do it. If you're not married, if you're single, don't you dare get married without getting the, this material. It's six sessions on DVD and on CD plus the interactive uh, book. We're making the story of marriage, the six sessions on DVD and CD, available for investment of $79. It would normally cost you $125. And any profits we make or anything you can put in extra, I tell you, will be poured into reaching Jews. Why is that so important? Because that is the law of evangelism. I have found that when you go to the Jew first, it opens up a supernatural door to reach more Gentiles and when we come back, I've got so many questions for John and Lisa. I need a miracle, but I promise you, you will get something more. Call our order-only line, 1-800-447-2697. 1-800-447-2697. Sid Roth, back here with John and Lisa Bevere for something more. And... Uh, Lisa, I have to ask you, what's wrong with the picture of Hollywood? Because everyone thinks that's the way marriage is supposed to be. Well, you know, they really just focus in on being the perfect person, getting that perfect person. You're going to get married and have the perfect wedding. He's going to have a perfect body. You're going to have a perfect body. And they focus everything in on the beginning. But the truth is, and I'm going to put three things out there. Number one, you know, it isn't about finding the right person. It's about being the right person. And most people aren't doing the hard work they need to do in themselves as individuals. So they actually are attracted to the right kind of people. They're actually needy. And they're like, I need somebody to complete me. Well, Jesus needs to complete you. And then you need to figure out who you can work with, who you can multiply with, who you can grow with. But you can't have a person meet all of your needs. They're going to fail you. And number two, you know, a marriage doesn't have to be perfect to be wonderful. And too many people, because of Hollywood, they compare this Hollywood thing and they think, man, I have a stupid marriage. My marriage is so flawed. It's horrible. And it creates comparison culture. And, you know, as Theodore Roosevelt said, that comparison is the thief of joy. So they're constantly seeing things that make them feel like they have something less than what they really want. And then also marriage isn't about marrying the perfect person. It is about actually perfecting you. John and I have been used in one another's lives as a catalyst 
to be actually create us more in the image of Jesus Christ. When you get married, you know, we were talking about it makes you more of a child of God. You become less selfish. You become more focused on other people. And I just think it also just we need to focus on what we're thankful for. You know, when Don and I were first married, you know, we didn't understand how to be thankful. And now you, you focus on what you're thankful for. You create a good atmosphere for your marriage. And you know, the, the other thing, the other thing that uh, Hollywood portrays is happily ever after. Now, we do want happily ever after, but Hollywood never tells us how to get there. Um, I find that you know, couples they focus in on the marriage day. They they'll spend four hundred hours maybe planning that wedding. Maybe the girl's going to spend forty hours looking for a dress. That's the first day. What about the middle and what about the end? We've never heard of a business plan be successful without or a business be successful without a business plan or a house built without a blueprint. You know, one thing that Lisa and I did when we were first married is there was a little Chinese restaurant down the road from us, and we would go and we would write down on that little napkin after ordering one, one, one order to split because we didn't have the money, and we would talk about how we wanted to raise our kids, how we wanted to travel and teach, how we wanted to do life and marriage. And so I think what happens is, if people get married and just expect it to all fall into place instead of sitting down and planning, how are they going to do the middle and the end? And if we do that, what happens is when we run into great adversity, it's seen as a speed bump, not a brick wall. And so Lisa and I, I mean, when people hear of the intense, intense fights that we had, the, the intense conflicts that we had, and like, how did you guys get through that? Well, I will tell you that two things. Number one, seeing my mom and dad be together for so long was, I think, a real help for both of us. And also seeing that that's what God wanted in his word and that there was people that could do that. But number two, and this is the one we're talking about right now, is we had talked in that restaurant about how we were going to raise our kids and do life and ministry. And we had plans. And I'm not going to throw all those things out the window because we can't get along, I'm going to work through those things so that we can achieve that plan. And so I think that's something that, you know, God always starts with the begin, he, he, with the end in mind. He goes through the whole thing and, the, and, and writes it all out, and then he says, we're going to start here. Jesus was the lamb crucified from the foundations of the world. God had already planned out an answer for our problem of rebellion to him long before he ever created us. And so that's what we need to do with our marriages. And I will say this. I, I, I want to tell my, my number one and number two goal. I have two, two really high up goals. Number one goal is I want Lisa, when she leaves this earth, to be more in love with me than the day I walked down the aisle. Or she, excuse me, she walked down the aisle and we said I do. My second goal is that when I leave this earth, I want to be more in love with Lisa than the day we were married. That's a real strong goal. And I'm working towards that. Okay, John. John, I have to. I have to ask you this question: What would you say to a woman that's listening right now, and says, "I loved my husband when I first got married, but to tell you the truth, I have no feelings for this man anymore. Uh, And and in fact, I don't even know why I even married him." What would you say to her? Well, I have. I, I believe I have an answer. And I believe it's not only a woman listening. I believe it's a man answering, uh, listening. What you need to do is you need to start thanking God for what you do appreciate about him 
and watch how that opens up a well of joy and thanksgiving in your heart, and you will refine what attracted to you to him in the first place. And what happens is, in your mind, in your thinking, you have gone to all the negatives of that husband, and there are probably very obvious negatives. You have to find the, the positives. And the way I say it is, and this is why the Bible says over and over and over to be thankful, and it says complaining kills us in the Bible, being thankful builds us. So being thankful is like climbing a stairs, but, but complaining is like going down a water slide. So if you, once you get a picture of a wet and wild park, it takes a long time to climb those stairs, but you get down in a second on that slide, maybe two seconds. That's what complaining does, is going down a slide. But being thankful is a slow climb, but it will get you to where you need to be. Okay, I have to ask this question because both, both of you are such world-class teachers. Uh, the subject of submission, explain that from a biblical viewpoint. Uh, and, and even where it says, husbands love your wives. Wives, I mean, that whole passage, explain to me very briefly. Babe, you, babe, you start that. Okay, submission. <laughs> That's such a big one for, for the little time we have left, but let's just say this quickly, all right? If you look at Jesus, Jesus got down and served his disciples, and so he, and what he was saying is by washing their feet, that was the job of the lowest servant of a household. He said, I am the base servant. He said, even though you call me the head, Lord and King, which you say rightly, what the way I approach this is, I am the lowest servant. When a husband comes into a marriage and he realizes, yes, he's the head of the home, but just like Jesus, because a marriage is a picture of Jesus' relationship with the church, just like Jesus, I am going to take the lowest position in the home as servant. If he does that, he's going to have no problems with his wife submitting to his, to his, um, to his uh, desires as Leadership. far as direction goes. Yeah. However... Yeah. Submission, and Lisa and I love to talk about this, sub means come under one mission. So yeah, as a I, godly man, a godly woman, when we're listening to God, we have a mission. And I believe that when the husband is listening to God for the sake, and he's making decisions for the sake of his wife and children, then what happens is, just as it's easy for us to submit to Jesus because we know Jesus will never make a decision, it would be detrimental to our eternal well-being. Even so, a wife can make that easy transition into submitting to a husband as she submits to the Lord because she knows that husband has the heart of God and he'll never ask her to do something that would be detrimental to her or the children and that he is the, has taken the place of being a leader but being the lowest servant of the house. But, but I also want to say, I also want to say that 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 doesn't mean the wife has no voice because John didn't make it sound like she has any kind of input whatsoever. A good leader would actually always draw on input from the people underneath him. So we believe submission means under assignment. And when you look at the original assignment that God gave Adam and Eve, it was in the garden. And that was to be fruitful and multiply, to create order out of what had become chaotic. And so I really think that when we are submitted to the Lord and submitted to one another, and of course the husband has the leadership, 
there is the the husband would be foolish just to say, well, I'm just like Jesus, and you just need to all do what I say. He wants to draw from his wife because the wife has got the heart of her children. She knows what's going on, so he's going to draw on her wisdom, and she and he's going to take into account what is best for them, or what her insights, or what her even her fears might be, and then he'll make a decision, and then they do it together, and so. Um, submission would be uh, under assignment. We have an assignment on this life, and that is to love each other well. That is to love each other so profoundly that people want to have what we have to raise children who love God and have an awareness of their community and, and, and you know, wanting to help other people. So I only submit to John and I submit to all men because I'm building with John. Uh, John, so, in, John know, in one minute, I want you to tell me, is submission permission to, for a man to be a tyrant? Um, one thing the Lord said to me one day that really sealed it for me is he said, because I have a strong personality, he said, son, do I ever force you to obey me? I was like, no. He said, you cannot force your wife to obey you. You put it out there. If she chooses not to obey you, that's between her and me. And to be honest with you, 99.9% of the time, Lisa's right. So I'm a stupid husband. Stupid. Literally stupid. No. If I don't listen to the wisdom that comes out of her mouth. No, I have made some stupid mistakes because I'm not listening to the wisdom. Now, I will say there's been like one or two times over our marriage that I realized she was coming out of a position of fear. And I realized I was speaking out of a position of, of a vision. And, and, and as a leader, I said, you know what? I really believe we're supposed to do this as a family. It proved right. But most mm -hmm. of the time, when I didn't listen to my wife, I ended up paying for it, and our family paid for it. I'll tell you what, our time is slipping away. Uh, but I can't wait to get the story of marriage. You know why? It's your story. Do you know why? It's not finished yet. Do you know why? The best is yet to come. It, it's a new interactive book, contains the workbook and the devotional. There's six sessions on DVD and CD. And I have to tell you, anyone, whether you're single, whether you're married, whether you're divorced and did it bad that first time and you're so burned you don't want to even try it again, whether you felt because of what happened to my parents, I'm never going to get married again. When you finish this series in the interactive book, you will be the man and the woman that God himself created you to be. And I have to tell you, go back to the Garden of Eden. That's where this book will take you for what God intended you to be. I'm going to let Lisa have the last word. Uh, because this whole package is available for investment of $79. Lisa, one minute, last word. You know, I just want to encourage every single person out there to dream again. I want you to, to believe that you can begin all over again. You know, God doesn't say he's taking something old and remaking it or reupholstering it. He promises us in the book of Revelation, he says, Behold, I am making all things new. I believe that God can give you new love. I believe he can give you new perspective. I believe he can give you new hope. I believe that the story of marriage is going to give you new tools. I believe he's going to give you new conversations and new dreams. And I just want to bless your marriage with hope 
and power and vision and dreams. And if you're single and you're saying, uh, you know, I, I, I want to get married, but I can't find it, you need to know who you are in Christ first. And this is going to give you a great perspective. And if you're out there and you're divorced, I would just say to you, you know what? Divorce is something that has happened. It's not something that you are. You're now single, and you have a chance to begin again as well. So I would just pray hope and strength and, and life something and more. The you. presence of God is coming upon you. You're being showered right now with the presence of God. <laughs> To place a credit card order for today's offer, call anytime at 1 800 447 2697. That's 1 800 447 2697. Or log on to our website at www.sidroth.org. To hear this week's interview or watch archives of our television show, It's Supernatural, visit our website at www.sidroth.org. That's www.sidroth.org. Discover how you can begin watching for free our 24-hour, 7-day-a-week TV network, ISN, the It's Supernatural Network. You can write me at Sid Roth, Post Office Box 39222, Charlotte, North Carolina, 28278. That's Sid Roth, Post Office Box 39222, Charlotte, North Carolina, 28278.